We could create a whole world in the mind of the listener simply by using sound effects. Ron Wolfley. Thud, 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 thud. <laughs> Boomerang. Boom. Luke Lipinski. Huh. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hour number two of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios. Thanks to Flex from Jersey joining us last segment. Always good to catch up with Flex. And Kellen Olson is going to join us later in the show, so we're going to keep hammering sun stuff here, obviously, with the, uh, the All-Star break officially ending tonight around the NBA. Suns don't play till tomorrow, but uh, the NBA gets back in action tonight, and it's not the second half of the season. It's like the final quarter of the season, and there's a lot to be sorted out in terms of uh, playoff positioning and everything in the Western Conference. Back over to football, though, Wolf, and I, I know the Cardinals are you know, moving forward with Jonathan Gannon. There's, there's only so much value to looking back, but I think in this specific case, there is. Michael Bidwell was on uh, Bickley and Murata this morning for uh, for Newsmakers Week, and he talked specifically, you know, he's not going to go through all the former, all the coaches that they almost hired or didn't almost hire, but I appreciated his clarity and his openness on this one name in particular, and that was Sean Payton. Here's what he had to say. The issues around um, uh, around Coach Payton were had nothing to do with the money, the compensation that we would be paying him. It was mm-hmm. all the compensation, the, the draft compensation to right. the Saints, and we just weren't willing to go with, with what the Saints wanted uh, us to give up. It would, would have been too costly to the team for us to rebuild that roster, and, and it was really a series of trade-offs, and I still felt like we've got great coaches out there that can that can you know get this team turned around i think we were right when you look at jg i feel a little bit better after hearing that to be honest why is that it's it's the only explanation that makes sense that doesn't bother me you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) because you are you are in a rebuild and, and you do need the picks and whether whether you agree with that decision or not whether you i mean you and i had this conversation there was no way i was giving up the number three pick for any coach um and i didn't think you would have to give that up but whether you think that's right or not that's at least that's the cardinals taking a specific direction and saying we're willing to trade you this new orleans we're not willing to give you all this whereas you know there are plenty Plenty of owners or GMs that would sit down in that situation and be like, ah, oh, you know, Sean Payton's just not the guy for us. The guy we wanted all along was the unproven guy that's never like, no, don't give me that. Yeah. Like you wanted Sean Payton. Yeah. You didn't want to give up what it took. And I'm sure at some point it was, we do we want Jonathan Gannon or do we want Sean Payton minus all of our picks? Yeah. And then that, then you made your own decision. I'm fine with that. Yeah. But once again, I just want to keep this door open because we don't know. And it really doesn't matter anymore, of course. But, you know, just the fact that compensation the picks that you're talking about, of course, that is always going to be weighed against what? Can he reach Kyler Murray? Is this the guy to do it? We know he's a good coach, Sean Payton. We know that. But is this the guy that is going to be able to reach Kyler Murray? You have to ask yourself that first and foremost, even before the draft compensation to me. You've yeah. got to ask yourself whether or not this is the guy to do it. But it wouldn't have felt like the full story to me if he came on here and said you know like it's entirely possible Jonathan Gannon reaches Kyler Murray sure. better than Sean Payton yes. or they reach him equally but it would have it would have felt weird to me if we heard Michael Bidwell say yeah we just don't think Sean Payton would have reached Kyler Murray like okay if you don't think that then you don't think any coach that's available would I just appreciate the way he said that of 
And I, I tend to believe him about the money because they are paying a, another coach and another yeah, GM right now. Yeah, but once again, if, if you knew Sean Payton was going to reach Kyler Murray and fix it, now all of a sudden... Um, but you can't guarantee what, what, are you, what are you giving? No, I'm just yeah. saying, hypothetically, if you knew that, what are you giving up? Okay, here, take it. That's different, yeah. That's if, different. If that's you why can come I'm back saying, from though, the future, yeah. That's why I'm saying you're weighing that, your belief as to whether or not this is the guy to actually reach Kyler Murray or not. And what that compensation is going to look like with the Saints. And maybe you were 50% sure that he was going to reach it. Maybe you were 60. Maybe it was 70. But there was still a 30% chance that you didn't feel like whatever it may have been in that room. And it wasn't just Michael Bidwell. It was also Monty Ossenfart. And it was also some other people in the front office that were involved at the highest level. There were some other people, I'm sure, that were sitting in that room around that big well, red yeah, tangle. Well, yeah, but he has the final say. Made. It's his money. That's, that's exactly right. But again, um, he was probably taking a lot of advice from a lot of different yeah. people as to what percentage chance do you think he's going to be the guy to make Kyler Murray right? I just appreciate the honesty as opposed to doing... What a lot of people in that position do of coming on and be like, well, you know, Sean Payton, he just wasn't a fit for us. We didn't, we didn't like this about him. That's, that's not the case. It's Sean Payton. You would have, you would have taken him if it was just, hey, everybody costs the same, and you don't have to trade any picks. And Sean Payton wants to come here. Let's not pretend that you wouldn't have taken him. And he didn't pretend that they wouldn't have taken him. But he also followed it up with this. Well, when they're asking a lot, it was, it was, it was like, okay, we're going to have yeah, some, a couple of conversations, out, uh, and we're going to, we're going to see if we can, we can structure this in a different way, which was was some of the ideas that, that I brought, they were unwilling to, to structure it in a different way. And, you know, while we were hoping that, that uh, you know, there, there wasn't, uh, you know, uh, somebody out there that would pay that compensation, because, you know, we knew if there was, you know, we're, we're probably out of it. And then, and then it, it oh. all came together with Denver, but we were still. Um, but having said that, okay. we knew there were great coaches out there. So if, you know, some of those in that category of um, some some of the deals you do, you know we're going to be really happy. And versus the deals you don't do, we're going to be really happy with those draft choices this year and next year that we'll have on at the draft that will help us get this team better quickly. Yeah, you know what? If you're Monty Austin for it, you're saying Amen. <laughs> <laughs> you follow that up, uh, and I'm sure that was his in, in, influence, you know, I mean, right? That, yeah, that's like uh, I need sure. picks to do my job. Yeah, I need <laughs> picks to do my job. What exactly were the New Orleans Saints asking for with the Arizona Cardinals? That is the question. At some point in time, we'll find out. Yeah, um, you know, it's it, all things all things equal. You would take Sean Payton, but all things were not equal in this instance. And so I know a lot of people still would be like, well, I would still take Sean Payton. But like I said, to me, it just comes back and it's always going to come back to this with pretty much any organization in any sport. Just pick a clear direction you want to go with and then go with it. Don't be wavering back and forth. No, we're not sure. Now we're going to try something new. Six weeks from now, we're going to bounce back and forth and we don't have a plan. Have a plan. It seems like they got a guy, especially when you hear how what uh, Michael Bidwell was saying about Monty Austin Ford. Uh, you know, Austin yeah. Ford talking to to Jonathan Gannon way back in the summer. They they knew in the back of their mind they had a guy that they were at least intrigued by. Yeah. Speaking of a plan, too, Michael Bidwell also talked about the quarterback room. I, I thought that was really interesting as well. Talking about the quarterback room and what they're going to have to do and Colt McCoy. 
Yeah, <laughs> this is going to be. This is, yeah, Colt McCoy in this offseason right now walking around with his wrist, I believe, in a cast. That was the report um, at Media Row for the Super Bowl. So, you know, who knows what is going to happen there, but the Arizona Cardinals are going to have to address it at some point in time. The quarterback room for this offseason. Not just not just the start of the regular season, this offseason. Yeah, I think how they address that is really going to set the tone for how a lot of people approach this season with the Cardinals. You know what I mean? Like, are, are you are you just trying to get a stopgap? Are you worried that Kyler's going to miss more than you know, two or three games? What, what does that, that quarterback addition say uh, about uh, how they're approaching this season? We'll get more into this in a, in a little bit. Um, just announced, Guns N' Roses heading to Chase Field October 11th. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m., but you can win a pair now by texting ROSES to 620-620. That's ROSES to 620-620. Welcome to the jungle, Guns N' Roses fans. When we come back, what can the Suns take away from these next two games, even if they don't have Kevin Durant in them? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, we are back here. Wolf and Luke on a Thursday morning. Sounding more and more like there will not be a Kevin Durant Suns debut tomorrow. Brian Windhorst still saying this morning on SportsCenter it could happen as early as Sunday. The team hasn't ruled him out at all. But more and more, we're hearing that uh, that Wednesday seems to be the target date. So that's a couple games we had Flex from Jersey on earlier, and, and he did point out the very good point that if you're trying to make sure you get KD back and 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 he stays back when he comes back, the way the schedule's sort of set up right now, if he misses these two games coming up Friday and Sunday, he basically gets two weeks off when you throw in the All Star break, and then the fact they don't play yeah. until Wednesday, and so. Um, that that does make sense, but like you, Wolf, I'm getting tired of waiting too. I also like the idea of like we traded for Just Kevin so Durant, bad. we're gonna bring him back against Charlotte. Take that, Charlotte. Yes. <laughs> Poor Hornets. Yeah, you know, I think the anticipation is killing us all. It really is. We all want to see Kevin Durant. We all love the Suns. We all want to see this version of the Suns out on the floor. There's so much anticipation here. I was calling it the Disneyland effect the last time we talked about this, and it's so true. You build up Disneyland in your in your own mind. You just think this is going to be the greatest thing in the world. And there's no place to go when you actually get to Disneyland but down for the most part. Um, or in line. Or, <laughs> right. You don't your imagination doesn't sit and think of what's the lines going to be like. <laughs> it right? does after you've been there once. I've you're only right, been there you're once. You're right about that. And and that's, well, that's not imagination after that. No, my recollection is just standing in line and hoping it's not too hot out. Yeah, it's the same thing with Kevin Durant right now. We all want to see him out there again. It makes me feel like fanboy. I, I just, you know, I, I'm getting angry that he's not out there when it's ridiculous. Okay, so he's he's not going to play 22 games. He's not going to play 23 games for the Phoenix Suns before the playoffs. Um, are you going to be okay at 19, Ron? Are you going to be all right at 20, maybe? Are you going to be okay with that? Do you think it really matters? In the grand scheme of things, does it really matter for KD? Um, I don't think it matters for KD. What I do think 
is it matters for his teammates. Well, yeah, and that's that's where it is. I mean, is there a set number? No. If we start to get below like 15, 14, because hey, I'm, you know, I'm assuming he comes back. How low can you go, Luke? I'm assuming he probably comes back Wednesday, but I'm also assuming he probably doesn't play in every game right when he comes back. Uh, maybe he does, but I'm just sort of assuming that he doesn't. That's the NBA in, in 2023. But at a certain point, a, you're right. Kevin Durant, could, the playoffs could start tomorrow. He could step out there and be fine. But what does the team look like around him? This is not just a guy coming back from injury. These guys yeah. have never played with him. That's Kevin Durant, it's Kevin man. Durant. <laughs> Even Flex said that. Hey, it's Kevin Durant. It's Kevin Durant. No, it's, um, you know, it, Chris Paul played with him just 11 years ago in the Olympics. You know, <laughs> so it doesn't, that doesn't count in terms of like, oh, yeah, he'll just step right back in and it'll be seamless. Basketball for Kevin Durant will be seamless. How the Phoenix Suns play with him out there, I'd like a few games. Yeah. How the new look Phoenix Suns who have Terrence Ross and Darius Baisley who hasn't even played yet and TJ Warren and you don't have Mikel Bridges or Cam Johnson or even Dario Saric, Jay Crowder wasn't playing at all this year. There's a lot of moving parts that you can't just plug together in early April and yeah. think you're going to walk through the first round of the playoffs because realistically assuming this team stays healthy when they get healthy, the first round of the playoffs might be when they are their most vulnerable. Other than, you know, let's say they get to the finals and they're playing the Bucs. Okay, that's yeah. that's tough. But the first round of the playoffs, when they haven't played together all that much, they're going to be more talented than any team, they most teams, I should say, they play. But, I mean, a first-round matchup right now could mean Golden State, honestly. That could be Golden State in the first round. Do you want to be putting your team together uh, three three games before that and be like, yeah. okay, now time to flip the switch? Because this team hasn't played together all year. Yeah. No, no. I've said my piece. No, you, I know. <laughs> But do you feel like fanboy at all? Do you feel like fanboy because you know you're fighting yourself right now? You just yeah, you the Kevin Durant thing is yeah, it's, yeah. You want to see him play, and it's like you got to be kidding me. Where's the panic button? Because he isn't playing in 22 games. Yeah, I listen. Um, for me right now, I can I tell you my biggest concern when we start talking about Kevin Durant. It's not about missing games right now. It's about um, at this point in his career, how brittle is he? <laughs> you know, how, I don't have an answer for I, you. There. Just how how you know going forward right now? We got him for three more years. <laughs> yes, yes, I love that. I. You know, but at some point in time, age gets us all, Basinonians, does it not? Well, this is what I'll say on that. I, I'm not so worried about, like, he's going to start breaking down. I'm not worried about that until maybe, like, the last year of his contract. And, and then even then, for Kevin Durant, breaking down just means he's a really good player instead of an all-time great. And, and that may not happen. I mean, he'll basically be Chris Paul's age now when his contract wraps up and they're different players. I don't think... Kevin Durant's playing 82 games next season for the yeah. Suns, but I think that he, again, is somebody that's been through the rigors of much worse injuries than this and come back and been amazing. He's been through the process of for lack of a better term, flipping the switch towards the end of the season, going into the playoffs with the Warriors. He's won a couple titles. He he is... <laughs> this is where he's so different, and most players are so different from Mikel Bridges. Mikel Bridges, you're like, well, he'll play 82 games next year, and then the year after, he'll play 82 games, and the year after, he'll play 82 games. Kevin Durant is a 2023 basketball player. He's going to miss some games. Yeah, he just know, is. 
His last three years with the Warriors, basically, in 62, 68, and 78 games. That's what he played. Mm-hmm. His last three years with the Warriors. The last three years with the Brooklyn Nets, 35, 55, and 39. And, you know, I mean, that that's where you're starting to, okay, is this this whole, we got to give him rest. We got to give him rest because we don't need him until the playoffs. You know, I mean, we all understand there's a new thought process that is taking over the association for the most part. It is. You look at the stars, you just don't see guys. You were talking about this a few weeks ago. You just don't see guys playing in 75 or more games yeah. a year. You just I, don't see it. I should have kept those numbers. I can go back and, and, and look. But it I was mean, minuscule. You you had five five guys last year play all 82 games, and, and there wasn't that many more that played 75. And if you even just go back like five years, it's a much bigger number of guys that would sure. play that much. Guys just don't do it anymore. And I think you know the biggest risk with the Kevin Durant trade that you know you, you had to do that and your upside right now is unknown your upside might be way better than every other team in the league it really that could be the upside the downside of the risk is you traded away a guy that plays every game and you also traded away Cam Johnson you traded away other assets you you condensed everything into basically one guy yeah. so when you've done that you got to have that guy on the floor in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Yes. If, if he misses a playoff game, it's not like, well, Cam Johnson missed a playoff game, but he's still got Mikel and he's still got, you know, yeah. he's got, you know, no, if Kevin Durant misses a playoff game, you're going to feel it. Yeah. Because <laughs> you don't, you, you condensed everything into one guy, basically. And I'm just wondering, too, how many guys, uh, how many goons are actually going to be run out there on Kevin Durant to hack Kevin Durant? Well, to, Patrick to Beverly's in the East, at least. To bang some knees yeah. with Kevin Durant. I, I, look, I, I know this is this is uh, borderline right here. It's not cheap. It's not dirty. It isn't at all. Would you say the playoffs are a more physical brand of basketball than the NBA still? Would you say that? Yeah. Yes, I would say it is. It's still a more physical brand of basketball as opposed to the regular season. That's just me. And I believe, I think, and I think most people you ask, they would tell you that it's a more physical brand. If you're playing the Phoenix Suns, you're going to tell whoever you put on Kevin Durant, guard Kevin Durant. You're going to tell him what? Make sure you get up at his grill. Get up at his grill. And by the way, hack him. If he wants to take it to the rack, go ahead. Make sure when you get your, when you foul Kevin Durant, make sure you get your pound of flesh. So. As you're saying that, we're all thinking of the same three guys, right? We're all thinking of Patrick Beverly, who's been banished to the Eastern Conference, and he's been traded like 16 times this year. You're not going to have to deal with him in the playoffs. Just don't see a lot of that. (laughs) (laughs) You wouldn't see Pat Bev on KD anyways. It doesn't matter. He'll just shove him in the back when when the play's over. Yeah, if they're on the floor together. Um you're thinking of Jose Alvarado, and you're thinking of Draymond Green, right? You know, I mean, those are the three guys no, we're all but thinking there's of. there's other guys that are physical are defenders. Th- yeah, but those are the three guys that you're thinking, like, they would do something after the whistle. No, I, I, honestly, Draymond Green 100% would. You don't have would. to do anything after the whistle. That's my point. If I'm going against the Suns, I'm like, hey, listen, you know what I want you to do? I want you to be physical on KD. I want you to be physical on him. There's nothing wrong with that. It's in the rule book. You, you don't have to sit there and play off him. Give him the open jumper all game. Get up in his grill. Get up in his grill and be physical with him. That's what I want you to do. Oh, man. It, I, 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 it's not the first time KD has seen that approach. I no, guarantee you that he's much. probably seen it, it for most of his last. career. 
but, but as you're talking about that, I'm more worried about the guys that would take a cheap shot at him. And I think I just listed the three main candidates. There might be one or two other ones I'm forgetting. Man, you know what? I was not a cheap shot by any stretch of the imagination. I, I never cheap shot at a guy ever. In 10 years of playing in the National Football League, I never cheap shot at a guy, Basin audience, unless he cheap shotted me. Well... Those okay. three guys I just listed are willing to cheap shot people. I, uh, right, but I, my point is this. There's players out there. There's tons of players. Just get up in KD's grill. Bang knees with them. Play them tight. Play them hard. Be physical. That's who you are as a player anyways. It's not like you're, we're telling you to go out there and maliciously try to injure him. Well, you keep talking like this. I'm not going to want him to come back until April 16th. I, I'm just saying. Man, that's what's going to happen. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Like this response from the 480 area code. I would definitely trade Hop. The Cardinals are not going to be good in the next year, probably two, and Kyler Murray will likely not even play for half the season. We don't have many assets worth much, and we have invested a ridiculous amount in the wide wide receiver position. That equals trade Hop for as much as you can get. All right, we'll get back into Cardinals, actually, when we come back. Could the Cardinals' number one problem hinge on the number 11? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, a couple things we got to get into here, Wolf. Okay. I really wanted to do, and I told you this off the air, but I really wanted to do a segment of the show just in total darkness because Aaron Rodgers was in the darkness retreat, right? Yeah. Just to see what it's like. Well, he's already out of it, and as you pointed out, you can have light in the darkness retreat. Just stop it. Wait a minute. That's not what a darkness retreat. About? They put him in a cave, ladies and gentlemen, where, you know, okay, he had a queen-sized mattress. Um, he had a bathroom, of course. He had a, a meditation mat. <laughs> that kind of cracked me up right there. But there's power inside the room to turn lights on. I, what? What happened to the darkness thing? Well, that's so he can and fire. And how many times did you turn it on, Aaron? He can fire up his Wi-Fi so he can still be on the Pat McAfee show. You got it. You got it. It's a darkness retreat, but it's not wow. a full-blown darkness retreat. That was disappointing right there. And they're feeding you. It's like it sounds like a resort. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like one of those things that like people pay to. It's like glamorous camping. I was really disappointed. Um, I want to say this, too, since the way we teased this segment was uh, part of the problem could be the number 11. That is not in reference to Larry Fitzgerald. <laughs> However, Larry Fitzgerald is uh, going to be on Big Red Rage. Yeah, he is, as a matter of fact. Big Red Rage! That's what we're listening to right yeah, there. you might want to listen to that one. That's a good one right there. Six o'clock, I believe, right? I don't know. You've been listening it for show. 10 years yeah, Well, you know, plus. I'm just saying, 6 o'clock, I just don't know. <laughs> have you done all 600 gonna, episodes? Uh, no, I have not, as a matter of fact. How many have you done? Like 595? Um, I did a lot. Of, yeah, a lot. Let's put it that way. Jim Omohundro tweeted out, this will be Fitz's 13th appearance on the show. And he tweeted out all the dates. The first one was back in 2004. Didn't you think that was a little ominous right there? A 13th appearance. Well, that means he has to come on again next week, so, I guess. Yeah, of course. <laughs> How did you like that, Great Beard? Um, all right, let's uh, let's flip over to a topic I know you want to talk about, Wolf. Um, Eleven personnel. 
What's the first thing that comes to mind when I say this? Ben Steele. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. Ben Steele, the new tight ends coach, of course, for the Arizona Cardinals. I love this hire, ladies and gentlemen, of Ben Steele. I love it. Um, he's got the soul of an offensive lineman, but he's coaching the tight ends because he played tight end in the league. He's played in the league, and I love that. I I think going forward, for the most part, unless you're a coaching savant, I think in the coming days going forward, the coming years, ladies and gentlemen, I think you're going to see more and more coaches being ex-players. I, I think it's it's going to be the exception to the rule that you see a coach that was not an ex-NFL player at some point in time. Ben Steele, a tight end in the league. Now, again, I'm not going to say that he had a great career as a tight end in the league. He did not. Um, he was mostly on the practice squads, but he was in the NFL for, I think it was five or six years, ladies and gentlemen. It's not like he had no experience whatsoever. Actually played in some games. Um, If you're going to use a lot of 11 personnel, which the Arizona Cardinals, I believe, think they are, you need a true stud tight end. You need a true stud tight end. You've heard me talk about this. I'm sorry. But a stud tight end is a guy that is more blocker than he actually is receiver. You need a true stud tight end. The reason being, you already got three guys out of the field who are wide receivers. You already got that area covered. What you need out of 11 personnel in rundown situation, first and 10, second and 1 to 6, is the ability to either run it or throw it. See, that is the power. That is the power of an offense that actually runs the ball and tries to run the ball in a north-south way. Because now all of a sudden you got play action behind that. If in fact you're going to use a lot of 11 personnel, which I think the Arizona Cardinals will, because the Philadelphia Eagles used a ton of 11 personnel as well. As a matter of fact, 50% of the time in rundown situation, they were in 11 personnel. One back, one tight end, three wide receivers. Man. If you're going to use that right there, you better have a stud tight end. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to say, I don't think Zach Ertz is a true stud tight end. He's Zach Ertz tries to block. There's no doubt about that. But I think Zach Ertz is more receiver than he is tight end. Right, He's about, a great player. What about Trey McBride? I mean, they used their first over, their first pick on Trey McBride year. was supposed to be a true stud tight end. Now, he could be a true stud or he could be a move tight end as well. He could, he could play both positions, which was great. That's what you want. George Kittle, the same thing. George well, I'll, I'll Kittle. take George Kittle. You'll take That's George Kittle. Problem solved. Him. Absolutely. A true stud tight end. You need Trey McBride to be that guy. The stud tight end who can block. Listen, I, I saw him in training camp, and I liked what I saw of Trey McBride in training camp. He was trying to stick his face into the fire. He, he wasn't afraid. That's my point. And if you're not afraid, and you got the legs he does, and you can squat what he can squat, you got a chance to be a true stud tight end. So then what are you, are you playing Trey McBride more often than you're playing Zach Ertz? Or are you just counting Zach Ertz as a receiver in somebody's set? Uh, 
Hey. This is why I love doing this show with you. The lights have come back on. There it is right there. So it's the reason why you're going to see a lot more 12 personnel from the Arizona Cardinals. Now, was I saying that last year? I vaguely remember something. Oh, like that, my yeah. goodness. Was I saying it for the last two years? Yes. I only remember the last year. I, I was saying it. Oh, my goodness. I, I kept saying it. I felt so stupid to continue to say 12 personnel. Because now, all of a sudden, you got Zach Ertz, who's out there in rundown situation. A guy who's a tight end who will try to block. He's more receiver than he is blocker, but he's not afraid to do it. Why in the world would you not use a lot more 12 personnel with a true stud tight end? And let's hope Trey McBride is that true stud tight end. It's like 11 and a half personnel. 11 and a half personnel. Because you got Zach Ertz out there. So he can block, but he can block better than a wide receiver. Wait, yes. But he can't. Block as good as a... That's my point right there. Why would you not do that? Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you right now the Jonathan Gannon effect and the violence on a football field. On a football field, Basinonians, please understand that. In between the white... The violence. He uses that word and he uses it very effectively to characterize what kind of football is going to be played here going forward. And it's going to be physical, blow-your-face-off football. (laughs) And we're all going to laugh and have a great time watching that, Luke. Physical, blow-your-face-off football. you got to have guys who will go out and do that. you got to have guys that will go out and play. And that's the reason why I love this for Trey McBride and James Conner. Those two guys specifically. I don't know about Max Williams. You know Max. He could be that true stud tight end. There's no doubt about that. Wasn't he like, is he, he was okay? Like, he that's, was Nick Rollis's like college teammate or something, wasn't unbelievable, he? Unbelievable, <laughs> yeah, right? The connections that this coaching staff has with Max Williams and even Zach Ertz to a certain extent is a lot more than the connections they have to Trey McBride. Now, that doesn't matter once the season starts if McBride's the guy hey, that can do what they need him to do. Exactly right. If Max Williams is 100%. Hey, we're all good. We got this covered. He'll go out and he'll be that guy. This is really critical going forward. I think it's the biggest schematic decision they have to make. Personnel. What kind of personnel in rundown situation are you going to use? What kind of plays are you going to run? Do you see yourself in more 12? Ooh, Monty Austin Fort with the Tennessee Titans. Do you actually see more 12 personnel than you see 11 personnel in rundown situations? Right, we have to break. This is going to be huge. We're not letting you. You're going down the 12 personnel rabbit hole. We're going to break. I'll tell you this. We're going to live out of 11, 12, and 13. What did Kenny Dillingham say when we had him on? 23? You say yeah, 23, 32. 32? He said 32. <laughs> That's jumbo personnel, Kenny. All right. Uh, when we come back, a lot of talk about the core four for the Suns, obviously. But we may not get to see the core four for another couple games. Who's the Suns' fifth starter going to be when the playoffs roll around? What does that rotation look like? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. This is your band. I 
think they're here this weekend. Yeah. We should get them on the show. <laughs> I, I, I don't mind Green Day. I've never seen Green Day concert. sounds like them so well, much of the time. Isn't, what's the saying? The, the highest form of flattery is, I don't know, copying yeah. somebody. Right. I mean, that's, not how, that's not how it goes, but something like that. Um, if you are looking at the Suns and you're looking past those top four players... There's a lot of questions, and I and I don't mean questions in the sense of like, oh, do they have enough guys? They they've got plenty of players. It's the depth right now is it's just different. The depth isn't unknown, but it's not it's not like hey, we're three deep at every position. You know yeah. what I mean? They, they the way they've traditionally done it. Now it's like you have a four man. Not team, but four-man team, basically. And then you have all these other pieces you're going to plug in around them, and there's a lot less pressure on those other pieces because so much of the responsibility of winning in these playoffs is going to fall on Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and, and to a slightly lesser extent, DeAndre Ayton. But because there are so many unknowns about how these guys fit together, that's why this is so big now, these final couple weeks. I, I would say for, for the Suns, more than almost any other contender, these final five or six weeks of the regular season are pretty pivotal just to figure out what you have. Yeah, isn't that what Monty was talking about? The rotation. Yeah. And getting to the rotations and how important, how critical that's going to be figuring those rotations out going into the postseason. This is James Jones on with Burns and Gambo yesterday. Oh, the competition is real for our guys and their their chances to play. Uh, They'll all be ready, Um, but we know rotations get trimmed uh, but all of our guys will have to be ready um it's you know that's the nature of playoff basketball someone's going to get hurt someone's going to be banged up every team goes through it and it's just whether or not the guys in the back line can be ready and and so i, I know monty wants to try to keep everyone in rhythm uh but but we know it's tough to play 12 guys and the other you know guys who aren't in rotation they just have to be ready um, to, to, to step up and we've done it this year with all of these injuries I think a lot of our guys have been asked to take a step forward and now we'll, we'll ask them to take a step back but still remain uh, on edge yeah boy that's going to be really interesting and it's not just the depth as well it's also who's that fifth starter going to be who do you think it's going to be Luke? I, I tell you the idea of it being Josh Akogi is is um is maybe the most intriguing to me just because he's so different from your other four guys that are starting. But maybe that's not the worst thing. I mean, Josh Akogi's not going to go out there and be like, if I don't get my 16 points, I'm not going to be locked in tonight. Because guess what? You're not getting 16 points probably if Kevin Durant and Chris Paul and Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton are out there with yeah, you. Yeah, he might not have the ball 16 seconds. <laughs> yeah, so, so do other things. I, I honestly think think some of this is unknown because we they're not playing together yet and this is why they need to get everybody out there and some of it may hinge on matchups if I'm Monty Williams I might I might be looking and saying okay we're playing this team it's going to be a Kogi okay we're playing this team maybe I'll, I'll throw somebody I, else out there I, I just love the thought I know we've talked about this before but it is I love the thought of Josh Kogi going out there as the fifth starter <laughs> I love this man I mean you got a guy who's who's wildly athletic explosive. His elevation, his ability to jump is just hysterical to watch this. The surprise on guys' faces as he elevates above them and grabs the ball or slams one down. It's truly amazing to watch him play. He's not afraid, Basin Onions. We all know that. He plays very physically. He's an effort guy. And guess what? Every now and then, sneaky good at the three. Well, 
how crazy would it be? And this is a guy that was obviously an under the radar addition over the summer. I, I do remember talking about him a, a little bit in the in the you know the feedback you would get is yeah you know he's tough and he's an energy guy and he's not somebody you mess with, and that might be exactly what this team needs in the playoffs. But Wolf, he may go from averaging ten minutes a game over 49 games for Minnesota last year. Yeah. Okay, so he could get on the floor with the Timberwolves for 10 minutes a game and play about half the games to starting in the playoffs alongside Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre What's your point? That's, it's quite the... Uh, it is, I know! It's quite the right? ascension. Think about that, though. I mean, here... He, what, it's the juxtaposition of the two base and earnings that kills me. It is um, Chris Paul. We all know who Chris Paul is. <laughs> we all know what he is all about and has been the best point guard in the history of the NBA. I know there are people out there that will dispute it, and I get that. There's point guards that have won a lot more. And when I say a lot more, I'm talking about in the postseason and titles, of course. But having said that, we all know the greatness of Chris Paul. We all know Devin Booker. Kevin Durant and DeAndre Ayton are some of the most talented individuals, athletic individuals in the NBA. And then you've got Josh Okogie. <laughs> you juxtapose those two things right there. A guy who's wildly athletic. Don't get me wrong on that. But a guy who's going to play some really hard up-in-your-grill defense. And a guy that's going to give you everything. He's not as talented as his teammates around him. And I love that but because he's, he's a reminder of everything the game is about. And he, he falls into that category of, okay, Josh, we're going to give you four specific jobs. Just focus on these four specific jobs. We don't need you to drop 35 points. In fact, we're going to look at you kind of sideways if you take enough shots to drop 35 points. Here are four specific jobs we need you to go do because we got Hall of Famers out here doing the other stuff. And when you... When you streamline it down to that, at least from what we've seen from him so far this season, he's able to, to really thrive. Here's James Jones on a Kogi yesterday. Sustainable as long as he continues to take those shots with confidence. Um, it, when he's hesitant, it doesn't, doesn't work. And if teams are going to continue to give him wide-open shots, I think he'll continue to make them. Um, you know, all of these guys in the NBA, if you, if you attend practices, you'll see most of these guys are really good. Um, when they're when they're shooting, they're focused on shooting. They're not hesitant. They're confident. They make shots. It's just when they get in the games, and you know they're they're wondering whether or not they miss a shot, they're going to come out. Well, Josh has put himself in a position where defensively he gives everything, and if he is making shots on the offensive end, it just fuels his game. So I'm I've been extremely um, you know happy for the kid. Um, he's been everything you you ask for. Um, a guy that competes on extreme whenever he comes in the game. And so if he can continue to do that, I think he makes it very difficult for teams uh, to to just concede those types of shots to him. See, I would argue he has taken advantage of the upheaval with the roster and the additional playing time more than anybody. His last four games, 24 points, 19 points, 17 points, 25 points. But I don't expect him to be getting those opportunities when everybody's healthy. Even Even with those four games, his his point total, his average for the season is six a game. I mean, he's he's not on the team to score when everybody's healthy. Yeah, when I think of the the starting five too, when I think of the five names right here, I, I love just saying a name and what what is the first word or phrase that comes to mind when you say Chris Paul? I, I think of be a facilitator. 
for Chris Paul. That's what I think of. Devin Booker, be Devin Booker. Kevin Durant, be Kevin Durant. <laughs> DeAndre Ayton, be physical. Josh Akogi, try hard. Isn't it nice, though, that the two guys you had there that. in the middle with, with, okay, what do you want from Devin Booker? Oh, I want him to be Devin Booker. Right. Oh, okay. Well, what yes. do you want from Kevin Durant? Oh, I want him to be Kevin Durant. Yes. Isn't it nice to have that team where, what are you asking for from your guys? You're asking for them to be themselves. You know, the best version of themselves. But there are teams out there right now that are like, yeah, we're going to make a run in the playoffs. What's got to happen? Well, everybody's got to play way above their head and, and do better than they've ever done before. Okay, <laughs> I'd rather be the team where it's like if you just play to your potential, yes. you're going to go really far in the playoffs. Josh Okogi, try hard. Go out there and try hard. Remind everybody else that is out on the floor. Everybody, remind the bench that is watching. Remind everybody that's in the stands watching that basketball is still a physical effort game. It's still trying harder a lot of the time, especially on the defensive end of the floor, will actually help you. Be physical and try hard. Let's hit one more. This is James Jones on a name that's going to become very pivotal, and and maybe you know nothing against him, but he he's potentially the uh, the weakness on the Suns if things go sideways. So James Jones on campaign. I feel good about it, right? And and you know when we talk about what this team needs with KD versus pre KD, um, we have guys Devin and, and and KD who are automatic double teams. So, you know, you're typically looking for your point guard to try to create an advantage and pick and roll to get two defenders so that you can create momentum. I mean, we have guys now where, you know, like, every possession where Devin or, or KD doesn't touch the ball and they're both on the floor, if it's not in Chris's hands, it's probably going to be in their hands. Whoever's coming in is defending and just getting the ball to certain spots. So with multiple ball handlers, you can use Josh Kogi in that situation to just move the ball up the court. Um, you can play – you know, campaign who has proven that um, when he's playing with with the right group, he's extremely effective. So I'm I'm less concerned about you know like the backup point guard position as much as I am. How do we balance the usage of our high usage players? Which is what comes back to getting everybody out there on the floor. So money because because it's not as clear cut now as okay, Chris Paul uh, isn't playing, so campaign comes in. If he doesn't come in, then who's the third string point guard? It's not like that anymore. There's there's so much versatility and guys moving around. It's a much more complicated puzzle for Monty Williams to fill out. But he has the pieces. He's just not getting to put them all together right now. Yeah. Be nice to actually see the pieces. How long? Because we know Wednesday? the pieces fit. Oh boy! <laughs> I knew this was heading towards tool lyrics. Uh, all right, coming up next, we're going to take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.